This is the Daily Beast podcast, conversations about politics and pop culture. It's all taken from Daily Beast Radio on Sirius XM Insight, channel 121. Daily Beast Radio airs Saturdays at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 5 a.m. and 12 p.m. Okay, let's get to it. It's uh, Daily Beast Radio on Sirius XM. Um, A year ago this Sunday, uh, a really horrible incident happened in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, By now, I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure, you know, almost everybody knows the details about how uh, Michael Brown uh, got uh, shot by a police officer, whether or not he had his hands up, whether or not the shooting was justified, who knows. Um, But I think the incident went from, you know, sort of like a national fascination, you know, really major national issue to to one of like pure outrage when um, the officer who shot Michael Brown was, um, you know, was not charged with anything, right? Not with manslaughter, not with murder, not with anything. And so we're here with Jay Michelson, who who, uh, covers legal issues first at the Daily Beast, to talk about the kind of crazy um, coda to that story that nobody's really unearthed till now, which is that the prosecutor then ran unopposed in the next election after this huge national outcry over, you know, what this guy was thinking or not thinking. The guy waltzed right in, right? Yeah, it's really unbelievable. The vast majority of prosecutors actually run unopposed when they run for re-election. And Robert McCulloch, uh, the St. Louis County prosecutor, who not only didn't get an indictment in the grand jury, but basically said, I'm not going to do my job. Basically right. said, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make the case. I'm just going to put the evidence out there for the grand jury, which is an incredible dereliction of duty mm-hmm. uh, from a legal point of view. Then waltzed into an unopposed re-election just three months later. And, uh, you know, we're taking this opportunity at the one-year anniversary of Ferguson, which really inaugurated this year of Black Lives Matter and so much outrage that's, that's, been, uh, that's been expressed, to look at one of the lesser-known uh, components of this system of injustice, which is prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah. And tell us more about that. Um, like, what are you looking at? And and why does this matter so much? So we're, we're going to be taking kind of a deep dive. It's a it's an ongoing series. The first one, uh, first article will be in the Daily Beast on, on Sunday to go with the Ferguson one-year anniversary uh, to kind of look at this problem, which has been called by conservatives as well as liberals an epidemic. Uh, Alex Kaczynski, who's a conservative judge in California, actually kind of shouted at a, at a um, prosecutor on appeal saying, how could you possibly defend this conduct? There's this epidemic of prosecutorial misconduct. And that means things like lying outright it means like convicting people when we pretty much know that they're innocent. It means suppressing evidence, which is a widespread uh, practice. Mm-hmm. And this is a result really of a system which encourages this kind of bad behavior. Obviously, most prosecutors are good people, honestly, doing their, their job and so forth. But the rate of prosecutorial misconduct is really shocking. And McCulloch is a perfect example. Um, 95% of elected prosecutors in the United States are white. Uh, so when we look at the racial disparities that were in play in Ferguson, ninety-five percent, right? Unbelievable. And, uh, so it's know, like after all this, like we've talked about, you know, white cops and 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 and, and you know, black people they arrest, and we talk about the police officers trying to reflect their community. It's like even if you get to that point, even in the few police forces that really do reflect their community, 
then the prosecutors are all white. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, this is not, it's kind of, you know, I, don't, I won't say the police make an easy target necessarily, but it's easy to kind of look at a bad cop who's committing an act of violence, especially when it's videotaped, yeah. you know, and, and just see the outrage right in front of you. It's another thing when there's this kind of systemic outrage that's kind of behind the scenes that these are, you know, we joked about uh, calling this series prosecutors gone wild, you know, like, mm -hmm. the, 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 like because how could lawyers be go wild about anything, right? But yeah. actually, you know, that's where a lot of the injustice is taking place. So I'm going to throw out one more statistic. Um, state prosecutors convict 86% of the prison population. So the overwhelming majority of people now in prison in mm -hmm. our country were convicted by state prosecutors. These are people who don't face review like an, or an oversight committee in any state in the country, uh, like let's say judges do. There's no board, there's no appeals board if there's a finding of prosecutorial, mis prosecutorial misconduct. They have widespread immunity from prosecution. It's incredibly hard to convict a prosecutor of a criminal act um, just by the law, let alone by all the politics that would be around that. And again, 86% of the prison population mm -hmm. by a group that's 95% white. And I guess the last statistic basically is that a, a black baby born today in America has a one in three chance of being part of the criminal justice system, basically of being, of being in prison or in some other part of the justice system. So at this very early stage, what can we say about the bedrock of this corruption? Like what is motivating these prosecutors to get it so wrong? Is it simply the thirst and desire to secure a conviction or to hold on to their jobs for long periods of time? What is, is making there, them go bad? Right, or are, there, you know, are they being judged by their superiors by stats and so right. they've got to juke the yep. stats? Like, it's, it's all of those things. You know, okay. There's not one silver bullet or one, one exact cause, but the elections, we're the only country in the world that elects prosecutors. And this started in the early 19th century. You know, This was the period of kind of Jeffersonian democracy, Jacksonian democracy, juries, electing judges. The idea was that this would be more democratic uh, than having prosecutors who aren't accountable to anyone. But now, 200 years later, it's completely outlived its usefulness, and we're the only country that does this. And if you think about it, no prosecutor wins election by being soft on crime. Vote for me. I'm the most compassionate prosecutor. Right. I'm the one who's going to make sure that I, I use mm -hmm. my discretion carefully to make sure that the dragnet doesn't capture anyone uh, innocent. That's just not how these elections go, right? right? It's tough on crime. Think about like uh, you know Sheriff Joe Arpaio, not a prosecutor, but a sheriff, you know, who said, "Well, I'm tough on tough on crime, tough on immigration." You know, there's racial coding to this. It's kind of the Willie Hortonization mm -hmm. uh, of these kinds of elections, where uh, so it's it's this white prosecutor saying I'm going to be tough on crime and sort of maybe and then looking at the statistics yeah there's a there's a, a race element that's just overt and there's a built-in bias to the system to be tougher rather than more fair yeah now you're, you're going to be looking at it but is there any inbuilt independent check uh, on prosecutors at all built into the American legal system is, is there anyone within the system or part of the apparatus part of the legal apparatus serving as a check on them at all no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, that's the simple answer. Yeah, wow. I mean, there that's are astonishing. you know there I mean, are efforts you know. here and there. Here in New York, for example, there was an effort to set up an oversight board, and actually, in a couple of weeks, the Daily Beast will be featuring an article by Bennett Gershman, who's a professor at City University of New York, uh, one of the proponents for just having an oversight, just the same way we do for judicial misconduct. You know, you have a board that's there, that's permanent, that's that's transparent. All of their proceedings are, are transparent. Um, it's failed twice in, to pass the the uh, the state assembly uh, in New York. Uh, uh, 
you know, it, criminals don't have good lobbyists. Certainly not as good lobbyists as uh, as the law and order folks, or as that then that attorneys have. Um, so there's nothing built into the system. There are individual processes and procedures that happen. But the, I think the most outrageous. There's a lot of this. That's the most outrageous feature. But one of the most yeah. outrageous parts is that these once prosecutors are found to have committed misconduct, they don't lose their licenses they and they don't lose their jobs. So there are still numerous there there are cases bloggers that we're going to have featured in in. Uh, uh, on the website um, of, of lawyers who have been actually found who have committed misconduct and are still state prosecutors or are holding some other role. Their license is still in good standing. Astonishing. Jay, it sounds like an amazing series. Uh, can't wait to, um, to see the first one. Thanks. Sure thing. You've been listening to the Daily Beast podcast. Tune into more Daily Beast radio on Sirius XM Insight, channel 121, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 5 a.m. and 12 p.m.